0: Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Venture Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett, and our very special co-host, Jordan Sudi. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Casey. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for coming back. was Weren't so bad last week, I guess. It was
1: not. It was not too bad.
0: <laughs> All right. So today's topic is uh, how to um, interview or how to find the right CPA for yourself. I'll share maybe a little bit of my personal journey. Uh, I wasn't looking for a CPA for me. I was looking for a CPA for 100 people. And you know, when I when I purchased this company, we had our own company, but then we bought another company that had a lot of tax returns built into it in 2007. Great time to buy a financial services company <laughs> <way>. <laughs> in 2007. Nerves were tested for a couple of years. We had an in-house person, and we started growing at a pretty good rate and the in-house person just couldn't really keep up and what, what made it worse was the in-house person wasn't really in-house that it was across town and me i was the middleman which i'm like why am i the middle this doesn't make any sense so i uh, decided to make sure someone was physically here and that search took us through two people who were very nice nice people but unfortunately it just um didn't work out because uh we didn't align with service. So phone calls weren't getting returned, emails weren't getting returned, or it was slow. Mm -hmm. It was cheap, comparative to the rest of the marketplace. What they were charging was relatively inexpensive, but it wasn't the right kind of service. And I knew Michael Sudi, kids go to school together, he's always been held in high regard for his his service. And we finally convinced him to uh, take on not only myself, but the client base as well, and that's how we got started with your firm. I don't know if you knew that story or not. Now you know it. I did not. <laughs>
1: Thank you for sharing,
0: but um, but yeah, so so for me, you know, he has he has you, he has David, you have uh, the people that are supporting you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys are very busy, but if one goes down for the count, I feel like that I've got a team, I've got a team. Yeah. So for me personally, it was important that that I worked with a CPA who understood my business and understood even the personal side uh, but then also that there's a group of people that if something were to happen then we could keep going I wouldn't be all of a sudden having to interview new people right right much the same way how we operate financial planning and asset management as a team it's not just the Casey show but Brad and and Matthews are here and Emily are here as well to help uh, move plans through, review meetings through, it doesn't take just, it's not just me. I can't, I, we're too big. I can't do this by myself.
2: Well, essentially, I think what we're trying to say is that hiring a CPA and creating a relationship with them to go forward, to prepare taxes and to review all this information is a a relationship that can last a very long time. And it's not, really, it's not a commodity relationship. You can't just transplant one for another every year and expect to get the same Mm -hmm. results okay Mm -hmm. CPAs like all other service industry firms have specializations they have a business plan a business model um, and they they try and attract a a certain type of clientele that fits into that and that they can serve as well hopefully throughout this podcast we hope to bring out the uh, the thought process of how to find the right one for you as a client, right, being that there are several types out there, everybody has their unique circumstances in their in their financial lives. You know, finding the right CPA can be a very positive effect on your overall financial picture.
0: We well, mentioned in the last podcast, it's not transactional like a lot of people think of just filing the taxes. Right. It's a very
2: proactive, uh, relationship driven uh, process. So it is very important to to find somebody that you are comfortable with and and can grow with as as your uh, your lifestyle does as well. So
0: Jordan, walk me through your process. How would you choose a CPA? Good
1: question. So if I'm, and I'm thinking of from my experience, when we have clients come in and kind of interview us, the questions that I like the most are, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your background. Tell me what kind of work you do and the kind of clients you work with each and every day. Those are questions that i really enjoy getting and i enjoy hearing michael answer them and david answer them and now myself answer those questions and so i really think that you have to kind of go off a little bit of intuition you know what kind of how do you feel about this person do they feel like somebody you can trust because you're giving them a lot of your personal information you know so you need to be able to trust this person and know that they come from a strong track record and background and that they can handle whatever it is that you're throwing at them
0: trusting someone you know yes Uh, the same way in our industry financial services unfortunately you can trust people who just don't have the right skill set because <laughs> sometimes trust is, is is being deemed as nice person ah they're a nice person i can trust them or they're a good person but it doesn't mean their toolbox is built for what's at stake right, right? i think that the um first question i would ask is do you have an experience in my industry for instance, in my industry, I don't think there's really any reason why a wealth management firm would have R&D credits necessarily, unless they were um, experimenting with artificial intelligence and designing their own planning or something. But you know, you guys have, do some R&D credits, right?
1: Right. Yeah, for sure.
0: So that would be mostly what manufacturing and, and design, I guess? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So th- that's important. If, if you go, went to a CPA to do R&D credits and you they had never done that before.
1: Might not be the best fit. <laughs> that might, yeah. yeah,
0: that might be the, might not be the best fit until the 2017 tax changes. Uh, airline pilots had a lot of advantages um, for people who understood the airline industry, right? Uh, for per diem, right? Right. So the Railroad Act provides for per diem, um, but per, per diem that the airline pays might be less than what it is for the given city, and you could deduct the the difference between the two. Uh, I don't think there's many that can really do that anymore, if if any at all, right? Right, yeah.
1: The tax law changes really took that most of that away. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So that that would have been an example of you know you know you understand my situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think this there's probably just another general pool of just small business owners, right? Can you think of any other specialties
1: in a CPA? Um, definitely somebody that knows small business and your individual return together I mean that's super important yeah it's just finding your right fit I mean depending upon your specific fact pattern for sure
2: well even for for your, your general moms and pops your, your families right I mean everybody has a unique situation you would want to ask you know share a little bit about yourself and your circumstances find out if if they specialize if they have experience in filing those types of returns I mean even today with college credits hope scholarships scholarships for other scholarships what's the tax you know um, benefits and ramifications of that does the CPA understand you know family tax return that's true yeah so you know it we, we said you know do you have experience in my industry but you just extrapolate that and you have experience with you know families that are look like mine quite frankly
0: most of our clients we're trying to simplify things they're coming to us because they're approaching retirement and what we may have done planning many years ago but when it comes to asset management we really kind of start taking a very personalized approach to to planning and asset management a lot of times things are getting easier so if you're if you're 65 years old um, there's no more big bonuses there's no more stock options all that stuff has kind of gone in the past at what point do you tell someone just file online if they have the capability of doing that. Is there a point at which it just makes more sense for s- someone to do that?
1: I mean, at times, sure. But I mean, I feel like a lot of times people that have gotten to that point, they don't want to handle their taxes anymore. And so then you know, that's why they're handing them over to a CPA or they have for years and years. But yeah, no, a good CPA. I mean, if you ask them that question, they're not going to tell you, no, you shouldn't do this yourself. You know, <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're in your corner, they want you to succeed financially. And so I think it's, I mean, specific to everybody. But yeah, absolutely.
0: I, I guess the way I've looked at is if there's ever an issue, then
1: Who's going to handle it?
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's you get a... the IRS letter. Instead of having to decipher it, you just hand it over and right. say, deal with this. To $50. someone who
1: has all your records and everything in their yeah. back pocket.
0: So it's more of a convenience thing, really, mm-hmm. um, as the tax return gets, gets simpler, I guess. Yeah. So another question we had was, you know, how often may I contact you? How will I be charged each time? So for most people who get a W-2, have a few charitable contributions, you probably don't really don't have to contact your CPA that often, if, right. it, if at all, until tax time. right? But for the rest of us, there's tax law changes happening. There's, there's, there's things that we need to be proactive about. Right. So that's something you should be asking the person that you're interviewing. How often can I contact you? And then how do I get charged for that?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the answer should be unlimited. You know, that should be what you want out of a CPA within reason. You know, yeah. you, you can't send emails every single day and expect immediate answers, but you want somebody who's going to be flexible with you, who moves with you, who understands, you know, what's going on. You know, last year we had PPP going on with a lot of small business owners. And I know a lot of people were calling our office and we were ready, you know, to answer their calls. And so I think you need somebody that is going to be a bit available for you, no matter how many questions you have, but expecting within reason that they'll answer them and that yes it's probably going to be included in your fee at some point but that's an expectation you set from the from day one for sure
0: which is more normal that that you would contact them contact a cpa and then you would get a bill later for the time spent on the phone or the time spent on a side project or is it more common that it just all gets included at tax time so maybe your tax bill is a little bigger than normal because of the work they did throughout the year
1: from my experience i see more of lumping it into the compliance bill you know when your return gets delivered you see a bill and it may have a couple line items for conversations during the year but it's really being kind of summed up into the one bill maybe if you're speaking a ton of times throughout the year you may get quarterly bills i've seen that as well Um, but i would say nine times out of ten you're just getting that one bill during the year that has everything kind of lumped into it so you're not having to worry about getting bills every time you call your cpa for a couple hours or a lunch or a meeting or anything Um, it's really just kind of packaged all together
0: but then you have to remember that when you get a larger bill, they're not just going up. You have to to think that, well, they've been here for me throughout the entire 12 months.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully they're itemizing that out for you, reminding you of the conversations you had to kind of show you the value they're providing and justifying that cost.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. okay. Proactive, I mean, ideally, I keep putting this in terms of financial advisors because that's what I know. A good financial advisor should be proactive, meaning that something changes in social security something changes in and planning is in some way that we should be able to be aware of which of clients that it affects and contact them that's a good advisor is that a reasonable expectation with a cpa
1: absolutely yeah that,
0: that there's a tax law change and they should take you know you should you should look at this right yes and how is that normally done is that like a newsletter because because you couldn't contact every single person individually necessarily right right or remember Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a newsletter. It's a mass email. It's um, a phone call for some people who really, it you know, affects specifically. Um, it varies, obviously, but definitely I would expect a good, competent tax advisor to reach out to you in the event of a massive tax law change or something that really affects you and your wealth personally. I would yeah definitely expect to hear from them.
0: Another question that comes to mind too is education. I never get ans- asked that question as a advisor but they should, they should say, how are you staying up to date and educated? Because if, if you have a 70 year old financial planner, who hasn't read anything since he passed the CFP 30 years ago or whenever it came out, he's really almost, it's not good anymore. It It's on the same level as the boom box with the cassette tape. Remember those? You don't you don't remember those Matthews?
2: I had a boom box. But you went with a <laughs> cassette tape. No.
0: <laughs> so, so Is that a legitimate question? Because do you guys have CE credits as well? Yeah, we
1: have uh, CPE credits, yeah. CPE credits, okay. So, I mean, anybody can prepare a tax return, but not anybody can be a CPA, obviously. And to keep that CPA designation, you have to keep up your education. So that's something that we strive to do every year. I mean, it's required. So we're at least getting 40 hours of education every single year. And a lot of times we focus that on the new tax law changes. Because if we're just reading the same stuff over and over, I mean, that gets really monotonous. I could go read about S-Corps every year but that's not gonna help me at all be a better professional. So we spend a lot of our time learning more about the new trends, new tax laws, to really try and stay on top of the, everything going on.
0: The similar CFP credits is you have to take your credits annually, but also, like she said, it's not just taking monotonous classes, it's also staying up to date on new tax laws and, right. and what's changed throughout the year and, and, and moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you identify a CPA versus non-CPA? They say I'm a tax preparer. Obviously, you know they would have the CPA after their name, but there are just tax preparers. There's a couple that have no there's,
2: CPAs. It's like what an enrolled agent, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. There's a CPA. Um, are there, what else is there in, in your industry that?
1: I mean, anybody can go out and get a P10. That's the the prepare tax identification number. So anybody can go get that and they can prepare a tax return. But not anybody can speak to the IRS on your behalf. That's where it comes in to be a CPA or a JD or Um, an enrolled agent. So that's a really important designation for a lot of people. Because I mean, personally, whoever prepares my tax return, I want to know that if it's ever questioned, they can come with me to, you know, defend it, you know, what they did. So um, CPA is a very important designation. And I would absolutely confirm that they are a true CPA. There are sites where you can do that if you need to. But you know, seeing their work, I think kind of speaks for itself too. And the people they serve can back that up.
0: What about, um, you know, people in their personal tax return, they can get aggressive or business deductions, they right. can get aggressive. How would you identify a CPA that could get aggressive? I, I actually know this goes is, this is back a long time ago, back when I had hair. Um, <laughs> I actually knew a CPA that his personal return got audited. And when they saw what he was doing, they said, wow, this guy's basically really aggressive i don't know if they said that or not but they decided that the his return was grievous enough that they then audited every single person every single client in his firm since he also prepared their returns so i think he had 200 something clients so all 200 went through a full irs audit oh wow so how do you how do you spot that ahead of time i mean or can you
1: I would say that it's probably hard to know ahead of time, but I mean, if you get your return back, you probably have an idea of what your net income number should shake out to be. All of a sudden, if it's a hundred grand lower than what you were expecting, maybe that, you know, raises a red flag on your end. And of course you are signing a form to let them file it for you. So you get a chance before it's filed and and done to review it and make sure that what you're seeing lines up with how your year looked in an accurate way.
0: Yeah. And compare it to prior years. Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I I would think that a CPA would be telling you if you're deducting haircuts and asking for those receipts, right?
1: Yes. And we've seen that when we, when we get a new client, we go back and we re-prepare 19 just to see, you know, make sure a it's accurate. Um, and then kind of identify trends that they had taken a part of and see maybe if there's any opportunities, but that's another thing. We'll look and see what did your deductions look like? Oh goodness. That, that may be a little much there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so for sure. Comparing to prior year, if you're a new using a new CPA or reviewing the return you get from a that current.
2: brings up an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, is it reasonable to bring in a previous year's return and say, you know, of course I will compensate you, but can you review this return to see if you would do it any differently and what that What it would have looked like oh yeah absolutely okay
1: yeah we get that every year people either bring in a return that someone prepared in the current year and maybe they didn't feel it was accurate or we'll review prior returns either they were self-prepared or prepared by a different cpa because that's something we're going to do on our side anyways is re-prepare at least your last year but if you want more we'll do more you know just to make sure that everything's looking good and in line with the current tax laws and you're taking advantage of things and not taking advantage of too much
0: I, i think that that's um Going back to, to my point I think that that could be hard to spot because emotionally you want the lowest number to pay or the highest number and so you could get suckered into into that whole uh the gamification of the tax code right <laughs> right I want the most back because I've, I've heard that before just in water cooler talk oh I took the CPA and I was getting two thousand dollars back but then I tried this other CPA and I got three and it's like well it's, it's not a it's not a game like right. something happened. Right. It could have been something was missed, that's a possibility, right. but it could be that someone was more aggressive, so you got to be careful about yeah, about that. you
1: do, because you run a risk every time, so you got to be careful.
0: Once you start with the CPA, is there like an industry fee that's standard for a basic tax return? How, I mean, how does that work? Because, it, you know, you think about it, you have your basic tax return, and then you have, it just gets more complicated from there, where you have multiple LLCs, cause you have multiple rental properties, and then so, so is it kind of like a car where you go in and, and it doesn't, it's not so much based on time, but a transmission's five hours because somebody wrote a book, it's this thick, and says a, a transmission job is five hours. Right. An old change is, you know, well, 10 minutes or whatever. Does that work that way in the industry? Is it typically just people are setting hourly rates?
1: I think people are setting hourly rates and then i see a lot of minimums you know people will set this is what we start at and we work up from this number and i think that number varies greatly but i also think it kind of helps people find the right fit for them because if the minimum if they hear a minimum tax return number and it's something that they're like oh yeah that sounds good this might be a good fit whereas if they think it's a little too high then maybe that firm maybe their work is a little more sophisticated than what this client's bringing to the table and they would be better served using a different firm. So right. um, definitely not, there's no manual out there telling us what to charge, um, but really it's more of, this is where we start and this is, we move up from here and if it fits your your budget, then let's talk. But if not, there are other options for you for sure that.
0: I mean, there's people who can file returns in you know probably less than an hour because the return is so simple and they're charging 150 to 200 bucks right. and it's just done and out, done and out. Right. But I guarantee if you walk in there, with multiple llcs rentals depreciation complications a business an s corp that that person is not the person to be, that should be preparing your return
1: right and they may even quote on it too because they want the <laughs> right. work they want but the work, they may right. not yeah they may not be the person that you want doing that return and doing it correctly
0: yeah i, I see that a lot with clients with small businesses as they as they grow and get more complicated and they'll walk in and, and they don't say this person doesn't doesn't know what they're doing. Oftentimes, they say this person uh, has told me I might need to look for someone else. They they give warning signs like, "Uh, I'll look this up, but you might need to find someone else to do this return for you. Right.
1: And I think that's a natural shift that happens for a lot of people. They outgrow their CPA and that's, it's not awkward. It's not weird. It's, it's just something that happens. And so you move on. And we actually had a client we were talking about last week that they started a company with us and they grew to be so big that we had to be like, you know, this is a little out of our wheelhouse now. And they moved on and that's fine. You know, we want you to get the best service Right. and if we can't give that to you then we're going to tell you you know i think a a larger firm a more specialized firm would do a better job helping you get the best answer
0: yeah and and i think that's probably just a good professional that would right that would do that plus there's liability for you guys as well exactly yeah Um, if, if you're outside your normal your normal wheelhouse right people come into our firm and they want the highest rate of return with no risk and i feel like it's the same way with in in tax preparation i want the highest Return or lower bill, right? <laughs> and I want to pay as little as possible. Yep,
1: yep, every time. <laughs> but
0: it but it doesn't always go hand in hand. Um, so you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, anything else? Anybody else wants to add to this conversation? Since there's so many people at the table today, I can't make eye contact with everybody at the same time. I think we've hopefully have helped the listener have some ideas on a Are they do they have the right person now preparing their returns? Two, how to interview somebody and ask the right questions, and three, uh, just you know, understand that that's not a uh, uh, you don't. We're not shaking a ball, getting right. random numbers. There's, there's
1: there's a method to the madness. There's a method yeah. to the madness.
0: Is kind of square peg, square hole. Right? Right. It's not yeah. really creative accounting. It's probably not a good thing. Right. Agreed. Yep. <laughs>
2: But to something that that Jordan had mentioned earlier, something about, you know, expectations. And so like through the interview process and through the relationship, you begin to have expectations and, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure that the expectations are met by the firm and by the firm, you know, being able to meet those expectations that you've chosen the right firm. So it's a nice mesh when it occurs.
1: Right. Yeah. And we've started giving people, you know, formal proposal letters now just so that, you know, the expectations are clear because I mean, that's the easiest way to be disappointed is to not understand expectations up front. So with a clear path forward, I think it just sets the stage for a a good relationship going forward.
0: All right, guys, good topic. Uh, Look forward to next week where we're going to talk about um, the benefits of uh, donor advised funds. And we have a great guest coming on board for uh, that podcast. So until then, make it a great week.
1: Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore.